Warning, this podcast contains questionable content of the more adult variety and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say we didn't warn you. Michael, get your fingers out of the cheese dip. Was that your turkey impression? It was my turkey impression. <laughs> it was beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> so just a disclaimer for everybody listening at home. Uh, Michael currently does not have a microphone stand, so he is holding it like the gorgeous, delicious lounge singer he is. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, Elvis <laughs> currently not left the building. No, Elvis is always in our hearts and in our Banana, bacon, peanut butter sandwiches. Ugh. Or is it marshmallow fluff? Maybe it was marshmallow fluff. I think it was a fluffer nutter. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> Did you know he used a stick of butter for one grilled cheese sandwich? Well, his. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a once a year thing, not a all the time thing. That sounds like a once and never thing. That sounds awful. <laughs> Well, well, my name is Michael, and we're Go Postal Podcast. What are we, Carla? Well, I'm Carla, as Michael just said, so I shall reiterate this fact. Uh, we are oh, the, so sorry. You're fine. It's fine. <laughs> we are the podcast that is a grab bag of fine. I mean, fun. Uh, so today we have the most gorgeous theme for you. I'm sure you can guess it. <laughs> Thanksgiving! <laughs> I didn't know turkey sounded that funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're pretty good at that. Oh, my gosh. What can I say? So, uh, today for you, happy Monday. Thanksgiving is this week. Um, we have some fun history of Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe we can clear some uh, up some myths and... Um, Michael's got an interesting story. We got some BBBs from where the first Thanksgiving happened and random question Mm. answers. So buckle in, hang on to your butts. It's going to be a fun one. Let's get this party started. Actually, Michael, I have to show you something. I, uh, I love deals and sales right now. Um, and I hate black Friday, so I avoid it, but I went and I bought a new pair of boots. Ooh, I am showing them to Michael right now. Uh, they have like Look little, at those studs. I do. They have like studs on the toes. So now I have this great leather jacket. I have this awesome pair of boots. And now all I need is the motorcycle. So I need a motorcycle to go with all my leather. Hey, listeners. <laughs> if you want to buy me a motorcycle or take me on a motorcycle ride. Just so we can get a photo of Carla on a motorcycle. Oh, God. That's it. That sounds terrifying. But exciting, but terrifying. I've never <laughs> been on one, so... Well, I, I just like that I choose a motorcycle as an accessory and not accessory with the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> motorcycle is the accessory. I, I probably wouldn't even ride it. I'll just go like stand next to it. That's just you. Like, this is my bike. I'm going to go for a ride. And then you just jump in your car. <laughs> with the motorcycle towing behind me. I, yeah, go, exactly. I go to the biker bar and like unload it and go par- like roll it into the parking lot. I'm like, yeah, what's up, guys? I don't drive hey. it. I like to keep the mileage low. <laughs> Is that your Harley out there? 
What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't afford a Harley. I drive a Yamaha, okay? <laughs> the maintenance is way It's just a, a scooter with like a cardboard drawing of a motorcycle on the side. <laughs> <laughs> or I like take off the little Yamaha plaque and like paint Harley Davidson really crudely on it. Misspell it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll go over really well. So well. It'll be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll let you know how this goes. Uh, Thanks. It'll be great. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Woo! So I decided to... History.com is like one of the greatest things ever. Um, so we kind of know Thanksgiving as this is when, I guess, the the version they told us in school was that the pilgrims and the native americans got together and they shared a big feast and everybody was happy and then a lot of the cynics like you and i are like well happy killing all the native americans day and committing genocide well we might be a little bit too cynical with this one so just hold on let me tell you about it okay so the pilgrims get to plymouth slash plymouth rock which we'll talk about later um, but they end up staying on the ship for most of the winter because it was super brutal. So um, they suffered a lot of exposure and scurvy, which is uh, the lack of vitamin C. And that's why um, British, the Brits are often called uh, limeys because the sailors would take limes on ships with them so they didn't get scurvy. Yeah. Um, so only half of the Mayflower's original passenger, passengers and crew lived to see the first New England spring. So they had, oh my God. yeah, they had like 111 people and about 56 made it. Um, so in March, the remaining settlers finally moved ashore. They had built seven houses of the original 19 planned over the winter. So like people would go ashore for the day and then come back and then go ashore and then come back. Um, so they received a visit from an Abenaki Indian who greeted them in English. So they had already, the, the natives on the coast had already been exposed to people from like, you know, settling all over the, you know, dotting the, the Eastern coast. And he returned oh. with another native American Squanto, a member of the Patuxet tribe who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and returning to the uh, new Americas on an exploratory expedition. So, oh my right? God. So he knew English really well already, but he did. Squanto taught the pilgrims um, how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple trees, catch fish in the rivers, and avoid poisonous plants, which is also really fucking awesome considering he had just been sold into slavery by these people. Not the same group of people. No crap. Yeah. And like the pilgrims were actually super chill. Like, they didn't care if you were of their religion. They let people of differing religions or sects of Christianity, if you will, um, hold public office. They didn't care if uh, pilgrims married outside of the religion. Like, they're just kind of like, it's all good, man. We're just, we're separatists, but we're not super hardcore about it, which I didn't know. Um, And Squanto also helped the settlers create an alliance with the Wampanoag which was the local tribe. And this alliance, a lot of people don't know this, would endure for more than 50 years. And it remains one of the sole examples of harmony between European colonists and Native Americans. 
Oh. So yeah. And I thought that was a really kind of like eye opener about the the whole first Thanksgiving. So in November of sixteen twenty one, after the pilgrims' first corn harvest proved successful, Governor William Bradford uh decided to create this celebratory feast and he invited a group of uh the colony's Native American allies, including the Wampanoag, Chief Massasoit. I think I'm saying that right. Uh and this is now remembered as America's first Thanksgiving. Uh, now they may probably didn't use that term at the time, but that's what it's become to known as. And yeah. it lasted for three days. Could you Holy crap. three days of Thanksgiving dinners? Well, nowadays I feel like we eat enough for three days. So oh, it's kind of fitting. I fucking love Thanksgiving leftovers. Oh my God. <laughs> sandwiches, turkey soup, turkey, French toast. That's not a thing. Uh, I'm making that up. <laughs> I mean, but now that I said it, it actually sounds really good. It's like chicken and waffles, but turkey French toast. Or like a croque monsieur. <laughs> oh, hashtag trademark turkey and waffles. <laughs> um, so now there's no historic record of the banquet's exact menu. Um, the Pilgrim Chronicler Edward Winslow wrote in his journal that um, he sent four, the governor sent four men on a quote unquote fowling mission, so to get birds. Um, and that the Wampanoag guests arrived bearing five deer. And historians have also suggested that many of the dishes were likely prepared using the traditional Native American spices and cooking methods. Um, and also there's a good chance that um, uh, they had a lot of like lobster and seafood and sh- shellfish instead of more of the terrestrial things we're kind of used to, if you will. Because I don't even mm-hmm. have potatoes at the time. So, um, potatoes are from South America, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Okay. Um, so as we know, modern Thanksgiving, every, pretty much every president has kind of acknowledged that it's a day and it's a thing. So it, it is a pretty old tradition. I thought it was fairly modern, um, because president FDR signed the bill officially establishing the fourth Thursday in November as Thanksgiving day. I think he kept trying to put it on the 23rd of November. So like having a consistent day and everybody's like, fuck this. Like this is not what we do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We need to make it as confusing as possible. Right. So (laughs) as like Easter, just Easter is even worse. Um, Yeah. The celebrating on the Thursday goes back all the way to the original Thanksgiving because they would um, post harvest holidays were celebrated on a weekday called lecture day a midweek church meeting where topical sermons were presented. Um, And a famous Thanksgiving observe. Oh, sorry. Already read that. So yeah, it became an annual custom throughout new England. Um, 1789 president George Washington became the first president to proclaim a Thanksgiving holiday at the request of Congress. He proclaimed November 26th, a Tuesday as that day um, for the U S constitution. However, it was not until 1863 when president Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving to fall on the last Thursday of November. Um, and so then it was celebrated nationally when he did that. And oh. see. Did he pardon a turkey? I did not find that in my reading. That may be. <laughs> I mean, he pardoned an entire race of people. So we'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back to the FDR thing. Uh, declare November FDR declared November 23rd, uh, the next to last Thursday that year as a Thanksgiving day. 
and uh, Americans refused to honor Roosevelt's declaration. For the next two years, Roosevelt repeated the unpopular proclamation, but on November 26, 1941, he admitted his mistake and signed a bill into law officially making the fourth Thursday in November the national holiday of Thanksgiving. So uh, lesson learned, don't go against Lincoln. You know, just bad idea. Yeah. So that's your briefly long history of Thanksgiving, and I actually learned a lot about it that I didn't even know. Yeah, that's it's l- much less uh, murdery, gross. Yeah, <laughs> genocidey. Than, yeah, exactly. Genocidey, genocidery. Ooh, I do Gen- love cider. I don't know if I like genocider. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nope. Let's not develop that brand. Oh my god. That would be amazing, Genocider. Writing it down, hashtag trademark. <laughs> no, don't trademark that. No, I'm, kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. No one should trademark that. <laughs> well, seeing as how we're now into the forties with Thanksgiving, do you want to hear about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Yes, that is one of my favorite traditions of Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a parade. It's pretty pretty fun and ridiculous and just so gay and wonderful um very gay fun for the whole family exactly so it actually started i think in the 20s it's a pretty long tradition like they're coming up on their 100th anniversary here in the next 10 years or so um but i've got a few um fun facts about the thanksgiving day parade first one Uh, The very first large balloon at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade became caught up in electric wires and caught fire. It was was Felix the Cat. (laughs) Oh, no. I love Felix the Cat. I mean, I'm sure everybody was predicting this parade to go down in flames. (laughs) Oh. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was like someone called it the first larger than life like giant balloon that we see today. So it's surprising that they kept on with it and they were like, no, we're going to make this work. We will do this. We will move the power lines for this parade. God damn it. <laughs> so the original Macy's Thanksgiving day parade was over six miles long and took several hours to complete. And they used horses to pull the floats because nothing else could go that far and pull those floats. So just stop and imagine the amount of poop that was created on that day. I was literally just, oh God, the smell alone. Oh no. Oh God, genocidal horse apple cider. Nope. No, 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 no. Genocidal. Nope. Uh, uh, jumping up to a more modern day event, a uh, Keith Haring inspired balloon crashed into the NBC broadcasting station in 2008 and took out the broadcast for a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward. So wait, uh, a what inspired balloon? A Keith Haring inspired balloon. Who's that? Uh, you would recognize his work. He does a lot of... Um, it's how do I describe it? He a lot of his artwork goes to benefit like HIV and AIDS and like a lot of grants to Africa and whatnot. If you Google, it's God. What was he? I'm looking up now. Keith Herring. It's so iconic. Like 
Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, oh, Keith Haring. definitely. Know Keith Everyone Haring. knows Keith Haring. Yes. Crack is wack. Yo. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. Kind of funny, I guess. Oh, that, that is kind of funny. That, I mean, he's always trying to take down the establishment. It looks like it. It's appropriate. Yeah. He would actually literally take that Al Roker and Matt Lauer. Eat it. Um, in the first few years of the parade, the staff didn't know what to do with the giant balloons. So they came up with the brilliant idea of just letting them float off and explode in the atmosphere. (sighs) (laughs) After a couple of years, they decided to put a literal bounty on the balloons and challenge residents to capture and deflate the balloons for $100 which in 1928 was about $1,500 today. Holy crap. People would be shooting each other over doing that today. Well, yeah. Naturally, it became somewhat of a premonition of the Black Fridays to come. Oh, no. (laughs) There was one record of a balloon landing on someone's house in Long Island, and people were, like, fighting each other for it. Oh, yeah. To, like, take it. Especially in 19... This is post stock market crash right yeah 1928 1500 bucks fuck yeah Yeah. i would do that today for 1500 no joke uh okay anyway according to untappedcities.com in 1997 high winds caused a barney and pink panther balloon to become uncontrollable quote Police officers went along the route and stabbed the Barney and Pink Panther balloons, scarring nearby children. But they had to for safety. I know, I know. Oh, that's grim. Yeah. Kinda kinda funny. I just like (laughs) imagining police officers just like jumping up trying to stab these balloons. (laughs) And the kids are like, why? My dreams, my childhood is ruined. Uh, And the last one, with the parade now being a staple of Thanksgiving morning across TV screens in America, each parade float can use up to 200 pounds of glitter to make itself visible to cameras and helicopter footage. With all that glitter, the float builders could, quite possibly, drown in the amount of glitter that they use. You know, I feel like if you're going to have to choose a way to die, especially as a gay man, that would be the way to go. I guess, you know, it would be like really fabulous. At least you'd be fabulous in the afterlife. You'd just be like covered in glitter. You'd be a walking disco ball. Right. You'd show up and be like, bitches, I'm here. And just like do that (laughs) glitter gift. Yeah. I wonder if they wear like protective suits while they're painting the, the floats with all the glitter to like keep it from getting all over oh them. Because I feel like they would be cleaning it off until the next year. And then they're like, <laughs> fuck, I got to <laughs> deal with all this glitter again. It's like sand. It's like as soon as you go to the beach, there is sand everywhere in every crevice. You're like, I literally just walked onto the beach and I have sand up my butt. How did this happen? And glitter is about a thousand yeah. times worse. Oh my God, it's so That's bad. That's why I it. You're like, go to... <laughs> go to clean your ears a year later and you're like what what yep like i'm christmas cards with glitter one year and i am never doing that again oh god yeah i mean i might now just to be like glitter bomb bitch 
<laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> anyway, that's those are my facts on uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I love them. That is so. I I do love the parade. Um, I was never a big fan of the floats, but I always really liked um, the balloons for sure. And then the Radio City Rockets were my jam. Oh my god, they are always. They're just so fine-tuned, and it was such a great way for me to see Broadway performances without revealing my gayness to my family. <laughs> so so Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is, might be a little bit bitter for you. No, it's... I I Well... No, I think it was a way to, like, really figure out what I loved and whatnot without like exposing myself. So thank you Macy's Thanksgiving day parade for kind of helping me realize myself. Oh, that's so sweet. You should write them a letter. Maybe they'll give you free <laughs> stuff. I don't know. I will. Here's a 20% off coupon. <gasps> like, great. There's no Macy's in Canada. <laughs> well, you're coming to the state soon. It's true. Foreshadowing. <laughs> not for Christmas. No, definitely not for that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Cassie. And I'm Christina. Have you ever had a guy you're dating try and pick up your brother? Have you ever been on a date where a guy showed up wearing the exact same outfit as you? Have you ever been on a date where the guy sniffs you as a greeting? If so, this just might be the podcast for you. Tune in to My Worst Date. Because let's face it, misery loves company. Uh, all right, Michael. Well, how about some Thanksgiving BBBs? Boobs, boobs, and bizarre. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I'm literally crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't help myself. It just comes out. <laughs> I just hit the microphone. I'm okay. I'm okay. <sighs> okay. So I'm kind of focusing on the Plymouth area. So we'll say kind of Plymouth County. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a ton here, but there's some good stuff. I appreciate it. Where? What state is Plymouth in? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. That's right. I actually like had a brain aneurysm thinking about that. I'm like, where is Plymouth? Plymouth, but it's not Rhode Island. Something else. And I'm like, oh, Massachusetts got it. Close. Close to Rhode Island. I mean, it's all kind of the same, right? They all eat some sort of chowder and have a funny accent. (laughs) And crappy sports teams that we hate. Except for the Celtics. Uh, Celtics are all right. They have have a pretty court floor, so yeah. I'm all in it for the Celtics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have a parquet basketball floor pretty much oh my god it's i so would watch beautiful. them <laughs> it's so beautiful this is how i choose my sports teams based on the arenas they play in and nothing else it's fine well just from the parquet basketball floor i support Good. them Good. okay <laughs> for your boobs in 1782 deborah sampson of Plim- plimpton so i think that's in plymouth county was the first woman to serve in a u.s military uniform she disguised herself as a man and fought in the American Revolutionary War. Yes, queen. Oh. Love it. Get it. 
Five for that now, freedom. on the other side of things, Hannah Thomas was the first female lighthouse keeper at the Plymouth Lighthouse after her husband left to fight in the Revolution in 1776. So, yes, two oh. bold, badass women keeping their shit together because war is here. So, Well, yeah. what else do women do in times of war back then? They hold the fort down and become badass women. And then they're expected to just conform again afterwards. And they say, fuck you, I'm not doing it. For your booze, the pilgrims had to land on Cape Cod first because they were running out of beer. So they actually meant to land at the mouth of the Hudson River uh, in New York, but instead they landed on Cape Cod and then they ended up at Plymouth Rock. So the Mayflower went askew in its 1620 voyage to Virginia, landing instead on the cold shores of what would become Massachusetts. Uh, uh, beer supplies were running low and the reason they didn't keep uh, sailing towards their destination of Virginia, uh, the ship was due to return to England after dropping them off and the captain needed enough beer to supply his crew for the voyage and the pilgrims need to get on shore and start setting up their own brewing operations as soon as possible. So that was the goal. We could not now take time for further search or consideration. Our victuals being much spent, especially our beer. Settler William Bradford wrote of the voyage in 1622. Remind you, he later became governor of this area. Ah. Yes. I maybe she did my British voice. We could not now take time for further search or consideration. Our victuals being much spent, especially our beer. Uh, I'm sure that's exactly what he sounded like. Exactly. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, the Puritans brought 10 thousand gallons of beer with them <gasps> yes 10 years after the pilgrims landed in america and found a plymouth the puritans followed with 10,000 gallons of beer 120 casks of malt for brewing and 12 gallons of dutch gin each one of the 700 men and women also brought three casks of seeds wheat rye and barley wow wow yeah um so something interesting, I don't know if you know this about India pale ales, like IPAs, yeah. and they're super hoppy, right? Well, apparently, um, we're not drinking it right because it's called an India pale ale. They would put it in the cat, they'd brew it in England, put it in the cask, and then it would go to India. So by that time, it would have been a lot smoother and the hoppiness would have kind of mellowed out a bit. Oh. So we should probably be letting it age just a little bit longer. So I, I feel like I would be more into that than the intense hoppiness of the beers nowadays. Oh, IPAs are absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, one of the first structures built in Plymouth was a brew house, very much for that reason. I mean, um, duh. Yeah, and beer was generally considered healthier than drinking water. Uh, in the Pilgrim's English homeland, they drank a lot of it. In scarcer times, they figured out how to make beer out of almost anything, including oats, carrots, and corn. Um, although they didn't necessarily condone drunken behavior. In 1635, the Plymouth Colony outlawed, outlawed public drunkenness. Punishments included time in the stocks for public whippings. Uh, or it included time in the stocks or public whippings, sorry. The pilgrims, and quote, sorry. <clears throat> the pilgrims. Men, women, and children were all impaired a great deal of the time, as Cheever writes. <laughs> so, um, for your booze, <laughs> has nothing to do with booze, but it does have something to do with uh, something tasty. The Toll House Cookie originated in 1937 in Whitman in Plymouth County, 
when restaurant owner and baker Ruth Wakefield attempted to make chocolate cookies by placing Nestle's chocolate bar chunks in the batter instead of baker's chocolate. Ooh, thank you. Yes, indeed. (laughs) So we have some bizarre for you, if you're ready. Oh, yeah. Plymouth was already named Plymouth when the pilgrims arrived in 1620. It also was funny because last night I had a Thanksgiving dinner with Ohio and his family. And so I had a bit early, but I'll be having another one on Thursday. So two Thanksgivings for me. Yes. Uh, I'm so excited. And it's a vegetarian Thanksgiving on Thursday. So it'll be really fun. Kind of interested to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but Ohio pointed out that he's like, it's funny. They sailed from Plymouth to Plymouth. I'm like, Oh, duh, because they discovered it and named it Plymouth. This is actually false. This is not true. Plymouth was already named Plymouth in the America. It just happened when they arrived. the place they landed. Yes. So Captain John Smith from the Pocahontas Times. Ooh. Disgusting pedophile. Anyway, uh, named it Plymouth in 1614 due to its physical resemblance to Plymouth, Devon, England. And apparently the only reason they left from Plymouth in the first place in England was because there was like bad weather or something in Portsmouth. So there you go. So that was a coincidence. Um, Brockton. Oh, sorry. That's just crazy. Yeah. It's uh, the coincidences are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Brockton's merchant, James Edgar, Edgar's department store was the first, uh, department store Santa Claus was the first department store Santa Claus in America in 1890. So that's a pretty old tradition at this point, as far as America's involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, the catcher's mitt was invented in 1875 by William H. McGonagall. <laughs> Not McGonagall. McGonagall. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a, a distant relation of, of Professor McGonagall. Maybe. Of yeah, a shoemaker who had the idea to use a protective leather glove for catching a speedy baseball. Um, Plymouth Rock has occasionally been vandalized on Thanksgiving night, no. nineteen ninety. Yes, <laughs> following a clash between police and Native American protesters, someone heaved a balloon filled with red paint at it, and in nineteen ninety eight, a sixteen year old Plymouth youth, oh, Miss Green youth. <laughs> was charged with spray painting the words, quote unquote, made in Taiwan on the rock. Uh, and quote unquote, peanut is yo daddy on the portico interior. Okay. I might get that tattoo. Peanut is yo daddy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll go over well. <laughs> um, so several of the Mayflower's crew had made the journey at least once before on either fishing or exploration ships. One notable figure, Stephen Hopkins, had even tried to settle in the New World 10 years earlier at Jamestown. Uh, on his way to join the settlement, his ship was wrecked off the coast of Bermuda, stranding him and passengers for several months. The story of the Virginia settlers' uh, shipwreck and rescue made waves back home in England, and William Shakespeare freely admitted that he based his play, The Tempest, on the tale. <sighs> Whoa! Yeah, he even may have named one of the characters, Stefano, after Stephen Hopkins. That's so crazy. No, it gets gets more of an answer. Hold on. (laughs) Who was once, so Stephen Hopkins, who was once one of Shakespeare's neighbors. Oh. Yep. 
So Hopkins eventually returned to Stephen or to Stephen <laughs> to England. Oh my god, I can't. Uh, and later joined the Mayflower as a member of the sympathetic group of supporters from London. Oh, see, I thought you were about to say Stephen was one of Shakespeare's lovers, but oh, <laughs> maybe if they were neighbors, they might have been. Possibility. Um. Okay, so kind of going back to that whole the pilgrims were relatively tolerant of other religious beliefs. Um, let's see. They never made any attempts to convert outsiders to their faith, including the Native Americans. Um, and the non-believers who joined them as laborers in England, um, like on the from the boat or whatever, they didn't try and convert them either. Um, they didn't even try and impose their unique observances on their friends and neighbors, for instance. The pilgrims themselves didn't celebrate Christmas, uh, but they didn't stop others from taking the day off and celebrating it as they wished. Oh. So, yeah. And and also, as a matter of fact, I was talking about how they had no problem with intermarriage of believers and non-believers. Uh, they didn't consider marriage to be a religious matter at all, preferring instead to view it as a civil contract outside the church's jurisdiction. Oh. A- fucking men i am on board i might become a pilgrim (laughs) well michael that concludes your bbbs for the week yay i've learned so much this episode i know it's pretty good i i yeah yay history i feel cheated by our elementary school education i know like it was weak sauce compared to what i just put out for you in 15 minutes i mean come on (sighs) on dopey hello i'm bonnie lee of whining about crime a story driven true crime podcast created here in canada i try to examine the elements of a crime and how the motives the victims and sometimes even the accused stories can teach us something about ourselves and the people we encounter. Can we learn something that can be applied to our own lives? Well, there's only one way to know. You'll know that you found me when you hear me say, please, don't leave me. Well, Michael, you know what that means it's time for the random question of the week. Oh, I just hit my head in my closet. It's fine. No. <laughs> I'm okay. I swear. I already burned myself with hot water today. What else could go wrong? <laughs> um, we need music for that. Yeah. We do. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll whip something up. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay. So the question last week, if you remember, if you could choose any person dead or alive for president or benevolent dictator, who would it be? And the only stipulation was no form of presence allowed. And as always, you guys came to the rescue. So uh, let's see. We have from Pilots and Petards podcast, a gift of Lynn Manuel Miranda, which I had to ask Ohio who this was in the gift because it kind of looked like Tony Stark on heroin. So, uh, so Robert Downey Jr., that's his name. I could not think of his name all fucking day yesterday. It was driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> I could have Googled it, but I'd rather be crazy. So, yeah, it looks like that. And uh, someone, uh, Jim, Jimbo Getup, uh, if I have to choose now, Rachel Carson. Let's see. We also have uh, Crime in Movies, Jim Morrison. Someone else suggested uh, Chris Farley. 
So <laughs> they said, President Jim Morrison and Vice President Chris Farley, let's get some shit done. Uh, <laughs> came from Ignorance was let's Bliss. Some- <laughs> what was that? Nothing. Oh. Continue. <laughs> Kate from Ignorance was Bliss said Michelle Obama. Uh, J- Glenn from Glenn Thinks Stuff Podcast, beautiful Glenn. I would choose Johnny Cash. He was for the, he was for the down and out folks, and he had his demons, but he didn't try and hide them. Well, maybe Tom Green, but he's Canadian, I think. Well, that's okay. Either way, I think they would both be good presidents. I think I don't know. Tom Green's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, the MacGyver cop podcast, Harry Chapin. I feel he is the one person who would continue to have changed the world for the better. He was and still is such an inspirational person. Um, the Jupiter boy said, Mr. Rogers. That's actually a really legit answer. Oh, um, small town man- mentality said Chuck Norris. Eh, I'm kind of over the Chuck Norris thing and he's a bit too far right for my likes, but, Oh, is he? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Oh, come on. It's Chuck Norris. Like, well, Walker, yeah. Texas Ranger. Anybody? Anyway. Uh, selling Out said Stan Lee, which brilliant. Um, Man Brain Podcast said my future cyborg self. Infamize <laughs> also said Chris Farley. Uh, Chewed Gum Podcast said Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. Uh uh, I mean, sure, yeah. He would be able to use his mind tricks to convince yeah. everyone of his policy. It's genius. These are not the nuclear yeah. weapons you were looking for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Marlowe said Emperor Norton, but I think they may have meant Edward Norton. <laughs> well, if he was president, he would be well, Emperor yeah, if he Norton. he was a benevolent dictator, yeah, totally. Uh, Curio <laughs> Podcast said either Eleanor Roosevelt or MLK, both good choices. Oh, absolutely. Laura Urquhart said, Martin Luther King Jr., I had to put real thought into this one, especially as you said, no previous presidents allowed. I know it was a hard question. I'm still going for Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, yeah. That Daily Ghost said, um, put, sent me a gif of Marshall Applewhite from uh, the leader of the Heaven's Gate uh, cult. Um, I We had to do a reverse image search on this, so I'm sorry, that Daily Ghost. But we found out who it was, and there it is. And then uh, Jonathan <laughs> McGough, UCL at UCLA fan eighty, Ron Paul, which no, but thank Boo. you. <laughs> Try again next week, and you shall win a delicious prize. If your answer is not Ron Paul, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we do appreciate everyone who appreciated. Thank you so much, and listen Wednesday for our next random question. Yeah, we'll have a brand new one for you. Yes. Uh, Well, that's it for part one. Join us, as Carla said, on Wednesday for part two, where it's still Thanksgiving theme, but slightly different. Uh, Anyway, Carla, why don't you tell these good people where they can write us? Why don't you send us some beautiful holiday cards to Go Postal, P.O. Box 198514, Nashville, Tennessee, 37219. We might even do a whole holiday card episode featuring you. <gasps> what? You can also. Oh, my word. I know. That'd be amazing. I w- and if they're glittery, I still will be happy. Yes, please. Put a- glitter bomb us because yeah. I don't have to deal with the cards. Carla does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also email us at 
Uh, go post a podcast at gmail.com. And Michael, where can they contact us on the social meets? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Go Post a Podcast. I'll be here till Thursday. There, There's my lounge singer again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that on that. So we'll see you on Wednesday. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. Thank you.